0: Goodbye, University.
1: Welcome, everyone, to our monthly LOA Book Club. Uh, Before we dive in on what we were going to share here today, let's hear hello from everyone who's dialed in live. Nancy's here. Hey, Nancy. Hey there, everybody. Good to be here. Glad you could make it. And Guillaume is also here. How are you, my friend?
0: Hi, Jeanette. Hi, everyone. I'm good. Thank you very much.
1: Hello, and Carrie's here.
2: Carrie's here. Yay. Hi, Carrie. Yes, hello. So glad I you may didn't mute. make it. I may mute myself every now and then because I'm sitting outside. It's gorgeous here. And uh, so, just in case my dog starts barking or something, oh. uh, I may mute every now and then. <laughs> well,
1: so happy to hear you. Thanks for being here. I'm here. Ming is here. Oh, that's weird, Ming. Do it again.
0: Uh, Ming is here.
1: Yeah, I hear her first in the other room, and then I hear her in my ear. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how I hear you. Oh, how annoying. Um, I was going to say, it's not accurate. It says South California, but I know that's not where Ming is calling from. (laughs)
2: Oh, I hear echo. Oh, yeah, that's me. I'll stop that. (laughs) Was it Ming's Echo? Nope, that was me, Carrie. Oh, okay. This is the first time that I've dialed in, and I had to talk the top online open, too. I just closed that. Oh. <laughs> oh, got it right on.
1: Okay, cool. Good answer. Oh, I forgot we're recording, so let me rock and roll. Uh, okay, so the, cord, the Code of the Extraordinary Mind, it's the book that um, I was just browsing at Barnes & Noble and Vision. How, okay, how do, who knows how to say this guy's name?
0: Lachiani.
1: Thank you, Guillaume. And is his first name Vishen or Vishen or...
0: Yeah, you, you're, yeah Vishen. You, you pronounced it right.
1: Vishen Lakiani. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I'm a fan of his because of... Oh, I saw him give a talk and I know he does a, a lot of cool stuff at Minds Valley. I'm familiar with his organization at least a little bit. So when I saw that he had a book out, I thought, yeah, I should probably check this out. And... I'm pretty glad that I did. Uh he he's a pretty interesting guy. He has some great stories to tell. So that's what I was going to share about today. Did anyone else I know Ming did. Did anyone else check this one out? The Code of the Extraordinary Mind.
2: Yep, I'm reading it.
1: Carrie? Oh you have. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm still working through it. So how far are you, would you say?
0: Like okay, halfway? 65. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course. <quarter>, <laughs>
1: Well, I know Ming's favorite part was in the last half of the book, right, Ming?
0: Yeah. Uh, the first half was interesting. The second middle part was a little difficult, but I loved the whole last half. So.
1: so the the subtitle of this book, Ten Unconventional Laws to Redefine Your Life and Succeed on Your Own Terms. And i got to say, just in the introduction, I already was excited about this book because, in fact, it was before we – it's even before the introduction – he calls it a personal disruption book, <laughs> that it will force you to rethink aspects of your life that have been running on autopilot for years. And he also talks about how this isn't just a book. He's got apps in place and online resources uh, with pictures and interviews. So he really wants it to be a rich experience as he's sharing what he thinks makes all the difference in, in how we're engaging life. Uh, so he really set it up for some powerful stuff. And I believe that this is a guy who is capable of delivering on big promises like that. And having said that, a lot of what I resonated with most, I recognized from Abraham's teachings or maybe some from Byron Katie, although that's probably one of the few people he didn't quote, right? I, mean, I don't think he ever mentioned Byron no. Katie, did he? But that you know, that willingness to question what is, uh, even even Abraham's words about how, you know, um, Abraham talks about it differently than Vashen does, but very similar concepts in terms of if you're believing something that doesn't serve you, find a different thought. <laughs> Create a new belief. But he talks about it more in terms of systems and models rather than beliefs and thoughts. Uh, but he's exceptionally well read and he's, he's, interviewed a lot of the leading experts in human development so but, and he also has a gift for sharing personal stories that bring points home so um i very much have enjoyed this and a lot of and i will say i did get some new inspiration around oh being willing to i mean it was the way he talked about consistently upgrading. You know how like when on a computer you Mm -hmm. refresh or you do software upgrades? He said, look, we'll do it for our phones. We do it for our computers. But how often do we do it for ourselves where we're willing to give ourselves basically a new blueprint to work from? And he said, even if you had beliefs that served you very well in the past, they may not be serving you well anymore. They're worth questioning. They're worth upgrading. And here's how you do it. He has a pretty detailed system for How to go about that and i thought that was really helpful just that invitation to question you know what what you're operating from does your operating system need a refresh i like that and the the way he goes about that feels very loa savvy he does he did mention law of attraction once but he basically said look i don't know if it works this way because of And he named like three things. One of them was law of attraction. And then he finished the sentence to say, and I don't care. All I know is it works for me, which I like that, that he didn't feel, you know, really compelled to nail down the why of how this stuff works. Um, And he does have some exercises sprinkled throughout it. He's a huge fan of gratitude. Anyone who's listened to the talk that we actually have posted in the video resources at GVU, He had like a, was it a six phase? You guys might remember it. I got really, really lit up by it for quite a while. And I think for a couple of months, I actually practiced what he was advising. And it was like, he didn't, he said, it's not technically a meditation, but it's what he called it, even though it included like a process of gratitude and forgiveness and um, focusing on, you know, visualizing what you wanted to see happen. He had a bunch of different things involved in it. Which I basically was doing pretty consistently until I got those painted rocks, and then I started doing something. Oh, it was when I read. Oh, the the vow-powered life. Oh. Right. Anyway, um, I forgot why I, why I was referencing that talk that he shared. Oh, because he's a huge fan of gratitude. That's one of the exercises that he in asks people to go through one of his most powerful concepts in this book. I felt like it could have come straight from Abraham's teachings, which uh, he, mean, it's in that, you know, remember the four quadrant thing where he's hang on. I'm going to find, I'm going to be able to find it really quickly. I'm not going to go through this book page by page. I don't think. Oh, there we go. So he says, he calls it the four states of human living and it's based on whether you're living in the now or whether you're focused on the future and whether you're happy now or waiting for to reach your goals before you're happy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, you know, the negative spiral. It's where you're not happy now and you don't have any vision for the future. That's a really bad place. But um, even if you if you're happy with your current reality but you don't have any big dreams pulling you forward, he said that's not ideal either, which I think is worth questioning. But the place that he really likes, oh, and the one that he says a lot of us get stuck in, especially entrepreneurs, it's the one where we have a vision for the future, but we're conditioning our happiness on getting there. So we haven't learned how to be happy with what is while looking forward to what's next. Straight from, those are Abraham's words. He calls that in his quadrant, that's the bending reality phase, and he's got a whole chapter on how to bend reality. Basically saying you've got to stop being attached to your, to achieving your goals. You've got to learn how to be happy now, and when you do that, magic happens, and amazing things will unfold very quickly, and he gave some really powerful examples from his own life about how that unfolded, and and it felt like if someone got lit up by that, they should go read Abraham, <laughs> because Abraham goes into a lot of detail about how that all works and how to go about it. So I like that part of the book quite a bit. Um, the... He had, He talks about the difference between end goals and means goals. I That also felt like I, I could draw that back to Abraham's teachings about how it's not what we want. It's how we think we're going to feel when we get there. He does have an exercise where he asks you to make sure that you're working with an end goal and not a means goal by asking, I want this so that, and he says, however you finish it, um, so that I will be able to, Da da, da 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 or the other one he says is so that i will feel da da da, da, da. he said that's d- drilling deeper to the um to the true goal that you have and that's what you always want to work from is the true goal so there was i thought some really helpful stuff here i found him to be very inspiring i'll probably plug into more of his resources and materials but what my biggest takeaway from this was just that that willingness, oh, I'm going to say one other thing I really liked, was when he was doing some event, and one of his speakers was a hypnotist from Britain, Oh, Marissa... Uh, Marissa Peer. Yeah.
0: Marissa, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you know of her?
0: Yes, I do. yeah, somebody told me about her.
1: Ah, well, he was pretty impressed by her, uh, apparently she was like, w- w- voted the best speaker of the event or something, and he had a after the event was over he had a private session with her where she oh he had had he had some abundance limits like he his company was making a quarter of a million dollars a month but he was losing 5 grand a month or 1500 or something like that like he would, although a lot of money was rolling in it was not profitable i i'm Ming, mean, if i don't have this right tell me or Carrie, if this if you've read this part um tell me if i got that part wrong but anyway he he did this hypnotist the session with the hypnotist and she basically said this is happening because you don't oh no I'm getting the monk mixed up the monk told him he was not enough I'm getting the hypnotist mixed up dang it so it was the monk at the hot tub at Tony Robbins' place where the monk said you're uh, I know what your problem is you don't you have low self-esteem because you don't think you're enough and th- so anyway whoever it was that did their magic on him like within the next couple months he'd like quadrupled his income and then he did that again within by the end of the year it was some pretty impressive stuff i remember whichever story it was that he told with a hypnotist i was like wow that's cool and i have wondered before about you know when we talk about how to change our beliefs he does have at least one chapter where he addresses that here he I wondered about could it be as simple as just going to a hypnotist to program some brand new thoughts? Because you know we talk about affirmations and mm-hmm. acting as if, and all sorts of things. I but I never really used a hypnotist for this sort of stuff. However, his experience with it was very dramatic, so that definitely got my attention. There was also I have also
3: a, used I have used a hypnotist, and I think it depends on the one that you get. Um, because in my experience what happened was I went so deep so fast that um I didn't want to communicate. Mm. I I went, I was so deep that I was in the phase of the, the brain waves where you hear, you're aware, but you're not interested in communicating. <laughs> mm. And uh, it took her quite a bit to get me out of that. And um and she was like, Oh my god, I've never had anybody go so fast before and I didn't feel like I got out of it what I went for. Um, so maybe it just depends. Now it sounds like this. More you know superior.
1: what it, it makes me think of coaches, Nancy. Like, you know, you could if you had an experience with one life coach that you didn't love, that wouldn't mean life coaching doesn't work for you. It might just be an invitation right. to try another. Right, right. So you're probably right and about how there's a a a variety of different experiences available to us through
0: I used one before.
1: What was and your it worked. Thing?
0: Um, I thought it was interesting because I was it was somebody I knew, so I trusted her, and she said she does hypnotherapy and she's ser- certified. She's in the UK, and I thought, oh, well, let me check it out. So I wanted at the time I wanted some help with diet. I was kind of out of control. <laughs> I was eating like I counted. I was eating pasta like I don't know maybe. I don't know. It was crazy, like seven times a day or something insane like that. I was like, I don't know why I'm I'm like addicted to pasta. So I was telling her I wanted to kind of work on my diet and see how that see it would work. So she told me she goes and I said, you know, I'm not gonna like you're not gonna like control my thoughts to where you know. She said, no, it doesn't work like that. So what she did is she led me through a meditation. I was sitting on my couch, I was with my dog, and I, I thought, oh, this is interesting. I am wide awake, but it was kind of like actually going through a guided meditation. So um, and she kind of just had me repeat a few things or I don't honestly, I don't remember what she did, but it wasn't I don't remember feeling like I fell asleep or it wasn't even like doing a Reiki session where I'm kind of out of it or whatever. But um, I, she guided me through this meditation. And actually, after it was over, I honestly felt like, well, I don't think she did anything. But what was interesting is. Then when I went back when I went to work, I started getting a headache and I wrote her and I said, Hey, I'm getting this headache And she said, Well, you're releasing. So just kinda take it easy and blah, blah, blah. I have to say she cured me. I mean, I don't I don't go crazy now. It's like it somehow it worked. I just my I'm very more balanced when it comes to my eating. So she was like, Hey, you want me to work on something else you eat? Like sweets or something? I'm like, Nah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But Candy did. Candy actually did it with sweets. And um because she told me she realized she was addicted to sugar. So she actually went through the same meditation kind of thing and it worked on her. Same kind of thing. She said she didn't fall asleep, she just kind of went through this thing and to this day she's she doesn't and I I used to see her eat like tons and tons of sweets like all all day long. So wow. Right. It is was interesting.
3: And I didn't fall asleep either. I was very aware, very, very awake the whole time. But I just, I kept thinking, I'll answer her in a minute. I'll answer her in a minute. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) I just felt like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's all all good. It's all okay, you know. (laughs) But um, I also, I remembered now that I also had done some um, uh, hypnotherapy with a woman by phone. Down in Southern California. So, Ming, your sessions with Carolyn were in were by phone, right? right? And Candy's right. as well. And I, and this other gal, I did sessions with her. And what she had me do was lay on my floor. I was in my office, so and I was on the phone. So she had me lay on the phone on the floor with my phone up to my ear. <laughs> and then and then she, um, you know, did the hypnotherapy, and I enjoyed it. I I I really enjoyed it but um I had decided to try someone local just to see if the experience was different and I think the I think the gale that I chose here locally was trying to be a coach as well and you know when people are first learning how to coach and they don't understand you can't just tell people what you think you have to let them find their answer on their own. You have to guide them toward finding their answer. So she, so I was hiring her to be a hypnotherapist, but she was trained to coach me and Mm -hmm. it was not working. So, um, and she didn't really know how to coach either. So,
1: (laughs) so yeah, um, I think it's just picking the right person. You know, what's interesting to me, I found the section in the book, Carrie, you're almost there. It's on page like 71, where he talks about the hypnotist in the hotel room. He's talking about how she regressed him to different times in life that were formative about his attitudes around money. And he's in looking at these three different ones, he said, I immediately saw how these three childhood models of reality were holding me back in numerous ways. My beliefs that it was dangerous to stand out, that being a good teacher meant not having wealth, and that I'd hurt or disappoint others if I asked for more, all were undermining me. I had never even realized I held these beliefs. When the beliefs were removed, oh, so she must have done that work. Massive changes occurred in my life. What happened in the months afterward was incredible. Because my belief about standing out disappeared, I started speaking more. Almost immediately, I got two major speaking engagements and my biggest speaking payment yet. I got on camera more and hired my first PR firm. It seemed as if requests for interviews and appearances came out of nowhere. I made the cover of three magazines, was more active on social media, and saw massive rises in the number of followers I had on Facebook. And he gave himself the first raise he'd had in five years. He said, the result, in just four months, I doubled my income. My business began to grow, too. We hit new revenue milestones. It turned out that not only had my beliefs held me back, but they had also been holding back my business and everyone who worked for me. These experiences proved to me how erasing old models of reality can have a profound impact on our lives. We know this, but the process of getting there through a hypnotist was interesting to me. So, um, yeah, I, I like that part. You know I what that he, makes
2: me
3: also wonder, too? Is it makes me wonder if he was he was ready to make that shift, and it just happened to be that a hypnotherapist was the uh, avenue. Oh, no doubt.
1: Yeah. He, that his guides, you know. Well, he, was, he probably had all that contrast, right? If I'm remembering his stories right, that it was then that he was, like, kind of frustrated with how much money he was losing. I, I don't know. He told a lot of very personal stories with you know details that which I really appreciated because I, I always think you know your teaching comes across better with a with a story to go with it. He's got a right after that he's got a section on how our beliefs influence others, which reminded me a lot of the podcast I just just did with Tony Wrighton in the UK about how my our expectations of others affect our experience of them. Mm-hmm. And um, he invites us to you know be careful with what we're programming our children with and shares nighttime exercises to rewire beliefs. So this is definitely right up a conscious creator's alley, even though it isn't specifically, you know, talking conscious creation and manifesting and law of attraction. It was, it was definitely compatible. Would you say Carrie and Ming that you're finding it, you found it that way as well?
0: Yeah, totally. He uses a lot of the same types of things we talk about as far as the joy and the gratitude and even his affirmations and his meditation and, he ends the book kind of pretty much saying that what he does, I mean, basically what he does is meditation. and um, He talks about, you know. And his,
1: gratitude. But and gratitude, gratitude is part of his meditation, yeah.
0: Yes, yes, and gratitude and his forgiveness and, you know, things that we've been talking about in
1: GVU as well.
0: Um, he, I liked at the end where he talks about he's got three expanded goals that he lives by, and one of them is I will always be surrounded by love. Two. I you know, will always have the most beautiful and amazing experiences. Three, and I will always be learning and growing.
1: It's interesting how he landed on that because he was talking about how, you know, his original goal was to be in love with his wife forever, <laughs> and then realized exactly. well, that would, might be at some attachment to, you know, some specifics that may not be within his control. So he changed it to be surrounded by love. I thought that was That's very it. forward thinking of him. But I got a question for you, Ming, about, you know, the way he in that that quadrant that four quadrant one where he's like the current reality trap it sounded like he's got strong thoughts that we should that if we're really optimizing if we're really thriving then there's a bigger vision pulling us forward we're not just happy with what is and not engaging any you know bigger dreams in life it sounded like he had some pretty strong thoughts that when you're plugged in properly when you're living in the sweet spot you have big dreams for yourself and humanity and you are, you know, doing what it takes to bring those t- into reality. And I kind of, oh, yeah. I, I I remember having some judgment of my dad when he retired that he didn't seem to be doing anything other than enjoying life.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, but what do you do, dad? Like, what do you do? Shouldn't you be sharing what you've learned, or learning more, or building something new, or working on something else? And boy, he just never, for a single second, felt inspired, or he hasn't, anyway, that I know of, to to do that. And so when when I saw it, it there was a, a fair amount of content devoted towards helping us create those bigger dreams. It, I I wondered, look, if I'm just happy sitting on my couch. Right. Go for it, girl. But right. the hypnotist, like someone someone asked the hypnotist, but what if, you know, you get just so happy with life that, or, or oh, I think this was the I am enough belief they were working on. And someone said, well, you know, because for so many people, it's, you know, they're striving to become more that drives them to engage the projects that they do that often make the world a better place. So what would happen if a person believed that they were truly enough just as is, wouldn't they just stop doing anything? And she said it's the exact opposite, that it's the person who feels that they're not enough that is afraid to engage work and the one who knows that they already are, that they feel the inspiration to pick up something big and new, which I understand that. But it seemed to me that there was like um, a belief that if you're fully – if you're fully actualized or whatever, you're you're working on something new and big. And I do have a question mark in my mind around that. Ming, do you have any thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting because he does make a point of making yourself, if you want to tap into that extraordinary mind of yours, right? And then he says, make a difference and don't, you know, he made one comment where he says, don't mess it up for the next generation, whatever you're <laughs> doing, you know. <laughs> so, but he does really... Say and then he talks a lot about fear too. Remember, so he says, you know, the fear just really holds you back. And if you really, if you he, you're here and you really plug in and you do these things and, and you pra- make these practices and you this is what you want to create. And he even talks about, yeah, you want to make money, but you know what? It's not even about the money in the end. It's really about being happy. He quotes Dalai Lama saying, well, the Dalai Lama would say you can't really do anything if you're not if happy yourself. You can't go help those people anyway. So mm-hmm. I think he taught, He goes back and forth, but I know what you're saying because I think he's saying, you know, you can do something really, really big, big in terms of yes. affecting the entire planet, you know.
1: And, and it's clear he has big dreams for himself and has achieved a lot of them, not just for himself but for the people that he impacts. But I, I don't know that every if you don't have some of those your own, then you know you're you're not making the most of your life. I would I would question that because I, well, I know this from Pata's work, where Pata says, you know, there isn't anything that you have to do. It's it's enough just to be here. There isn't anything that we're supposed to be doing, or, you know, we're not falling short of our of our potential if we aren't doing anything other than just enjoying our time here. So,
0: right.
3: He seems yeah. wired her- differently. Yeah, and there, and that's an important point that you just said there, Jeanette, He's wired differently because mm-hmm. I, because people like Vision and Oprah and some of these other people that are big big names, Tony Robbins, and you know the big big name people. If you look into their numerology, I can pretty much guarantee you they are either number nines or number ones. Mm-hmm. Nines are public. Uh, Oprah is a nine. Um, nines are public people. their life is is out in the public in the public eye. that's why they're here. you know ones are leaders, right so the the people who tend to be the ones who've got these big dreams that gotta get out there that tell you that you should get out there and you should live your big dream there a lot of them are nines and ones and um and you know if you're talking to somebody who's not they may still have passion, but their life is, is they, they're they here to channel their energy in a different way. And it doesn't make them wrong if they're living in a small town and their circle of friends is like 200 and they're happy. You know, it doesn't make them wrong. It's just everybody's here for a different reason. And, and I think sometimes, and I know I've been guilty of this myself, we think that what we're here to do, that everybody's here to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not, you know, that's yep. n- not true. Worth
1: but. remembering. Worth remembering. Mm-hmm. But for anyone who really did have dreams like, or desires or aspirations to do something huge, I think they'd find his work exceptionally inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Ming, what did
3: you feel that was difficult about the middle part of the book?
0: Uh, the, the middle part of the book, he talks about a lot of exercises. I mean, to the point, I mean, I don't mind doing a few, you know, like Jeanette says, there's here's what we're doing for November. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> but it's kind of like this guy had, you know, like 12 different parts of your life, and then you're he asks you all these questions, and then, you know, um, you and he talks about being balanced in 12 parts of your life. And And I'm all about balance. I think it's cool. So, but I kind of was looking through them. I was telling you guys, look at these like different topics he's got. He's got this and that, and then, and then after that, he goes and he tells you again in these twelve questions or in these twelve parts of your life, do blah 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 blah. And I'm, I'm just not. I used to be, you know, when I was in school, I'm really good at doing that. But now in my spiritual kind of life, it's. I like the joy part. I like the part that he's talking about gratitude. I like the part he's talking about. You know have a vision, follow your vision, follow your highest joy. you know, do you know it's not all about the money, but the money still comes. I mean, that kind of stuff is resonated with me, which is why I like the end of the book when he's talking about bending reality because that's cool because you know it reminds me of talking about time and you know when we can bend our own reality. But yeah, the whole middle part, I had a really hard time trying to get through. Which slowed me down. I was thinking I wasn't even going to get through the book, but he just talks about, okay, you have to do this, this, and this, and this. And, and you know, that's, then I was thinking about my brother, my, not the one in California, but the one here in, in Washington, because he's always pushing himself. He does marathons and he, he does this, and he's always telling you, you got to push yourself really hard. And I was reading this book, like, you know what? And he's an entrepreneur, he's a CEO of his own company. And I thought, my brother would totally love this book, because he and I always kind of hit heads, because I'm always talking about, you know, the law of attraction. He, he doesn't really believe in the law of attraction, but but he's always, he's really curious in terms of what I, how I do what I do, because he sees what I do is very successful, and I'm also very calm, and he's always stressed out. So, but I think this book probably would be good for him, just because it probably, it's, it's like his personality. My brother would totally love this guy if, if he hasn't already read this book. But he may even do the exercises. But um, for me, Nancy, it was kind of just like, mm, it's just, you're not going to get me to do these. So
1: I was I, hoping yeah, that
0: I, I could get to the end and not, you know, have to do them.
1: I, and that might be because this wasn't a book that you were inspired to pick up, but, you know, one that I had said, hey, here's what I'm reading this month. I bet if you had been drawn to it, you'd have had a different experience of it. Because I personally didn't feel like he had a lot of, a, like, too many exercises. But um, but it, the last part of the book, I didn't really engage me, and I think it's because I'm not one who's driven by a big, fat dream or desire. I, my big, fat dream or desire is learn how to be happier than I already am. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and, and I don't necessarily have that attached to... I don't know any my work or what I'm creating in the world. So hey, at Jeanette, least not you... now. Maybe after reading this, maybe everything will change for me. You never know. I just barely <laughs> finished it right before we di- uh, like an hour before we dialed in. So.
3: And I remember six, seven years ago when GVU started that you had a dream, Jeanette, of having um, a property where you could have animals and you can rescue older animals.
1: So, yeah, check you out. You're like living it. (laughs) There was one question where they said, I can't remember what the question was, but it was inviting you, like if you could wave a magic wand and your life could be whatever you want it to be. And the first thing that came to mind was, have a big place with a bunch of old dogs for real that and I I just smiled looking out my window going yep here I am
3: (laughs) so even though you don't think you have a big fat dream Pulling you well, it's a big You're
1: set reality. It's a big yeah. set reality. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: did have one, and it pulled you forward.
1: <laughs> you know, someone wrote, in fact, uh, on eHarmony, someone one of the questions was, what's your big dream? And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I am I woke up to it this morning. So maybe time for a new one, but I'm still getting settled into this one. So, yeah, I'm not biting off anything new anytime soon. Still acclimating to this new reality. So, um yeah thumbs up for me on the code of the extraordinary mind Carrie do you feel like you've read enough to give it a thumbs up or down yourself yet um now
2: I am familiar with him because I um, I'm a part of his um, I said mind to YouTube on yeah mind Valley oh. and uh, I had for a while but and then I kind of haven't watched any of that stuff I haven't connected with it for a while so when I picked up this book it kind of reminded me oh yeah that guy
1: mm-hmm. and and
2: so as I'm working through the book I'm, I'm kind of uh touching base with the YouTube stuff and just watched another interesting one again this morning and um so kind of working away along with both at the same time mm, cool. and uh yeah he he speaks very well and I do remember one thing that really stood out about him, from what I remember before watching a lot of his stuff, is the meditation. He he's really pushing mm-hmm. a lot about that, and I like I like what he right. says about meditation and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and very I like so. he had. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm sorry you... to interrupt.
1: When I thought you were going to yeah. say one thing that really stood out for me about him was how handsome he is. That guy's handsome.
2: Oh my gosh, I was going to say the same thing. You were <laughs> reading my mind. Okay,
1: <laughs> you guys very are handsome. Carrie, don't. Well, after you finish, I want to tell the story of an instant belief change, but I interrupted you before you finished. Tell us the rest of your thoughts on this book.
2: Oh, I just wanted to share one other thing of one that I I listened to yesterday, and I just love what he was saying, you know, about meditation is, you know, maybe, yeah, if we were monks and we lived, you know, in, in that k- kind of a setting and, and we could have the allowance mm. to meditate for hours a day, and but that's not the reality of the life that we often live with, especially with today's technology world, you know, and how it, and so he's like just just even taking 15 to 30 minutes a day is is going to make such a big difference and I really appreciated being reminded of that because for me I think too much I and my naturopath always reminds me of this <laughs> she's like Carrie you are you are not buddha <laughs> <laughs> like you don't have to be <laughs> It's like right, right, right. I'm always trying to be, you know, perfect, and um, yeah. So I loved that that he said that to just put things into reality. Mm.
1: Carrie, I bet when you get to the section in the book where he talks about, oh, he said some people the ego. He was talking about the ego, and he right. said some people what it means to be spiritual or whatever. They have a definition of it that he he. I really liked his thoughts on that, but what I what one thing that I loved was how he shared when he grew up he was um he grew up in malaysia and he said he didn't look like the other kids and they kind of made fun of him he had hairy legs and a big nose and he had to wear glasses and he he was just kind of like this the outcast and so he thought of himself as a nerd and kind of a geek and 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 he went to a different school for a while and Anyway, eventually he here he, he he never had like he had crushes on girls but never had a girlfriend. It would never even dare to approach a girl. But uh, one day he was dancing with some girl that happened to be the cutest girl in the school. He was dancing with her. He said, "I don't know what came over me, but I just reached over and I kissed her." And as soon as I did, uh-huh. I was really embarrassed. And I said, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did that." And she said, are you kidding me? You are hot. <laughs> and, um, and then and then promptly, like some other girl, some other super hot girl, she, I don't know, he's getting all sorts of action at, at that dance, apparently. And he said instantly his belief that he was unattractive and that girls didn't like him. It, it was instantly gone. Instantly right. gone. Wow. I love the idea of how, you know, because a lot of times we talk about how it's a process to engage a new thought. Abraham, you, you know the repetition and the consistency of whatever you're focusing on. That's how you create a new belief for yourself. But I love that story of how that one, and he he makes a joke later in the book, like, wouldn't it it be great if if just one kiss could fix everything? (laughs) But um, that was kind of a fun story, too. I'd love to hear what someone else is reading. So he had proof, proof after proof
3: after proof, and that succession of proof was enough to shift his belief
1: very quickly. Well, yeah, well I think right. the one, the one all by itself and his reflection on it afterwards. Ooh, look at how good I am. I got the paper yeah. towel under the cat right in time. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> I mean, that was practiced. right in time. Yeah,
3: Someone but we practiced. all know they go
1: twice, so I got to get another one here. <laughs> Sometimes
3: three times. <laughs>
1: But, All right. Sorry, but, for but
3: the Carrie, notion. Carrie, I was going to say, you know, that research is even showing that um, even if you just do five minutes in the morning, five minutes at midday, and five minutes at the afternoon, you don't even need to do 15 minutes at one sitting to get mm-hmm. the rewiring benefits. And wow, the great thing too about meditation is that, especially if you do it first thing in the morning, is it really centers you. So as you leave the house and start your day, you're going to start observing things that, that previously would have drawn you into the drama. Because you've you left the house feeling centered, you're no longer drawn into the drama as easily or as quickly. And and you start to observe what's going on without getting emotionally attached yeah
2: that's good oh I remember one other thing that he said too that struck a chord with me is that because sometimes in my sometimes in my meditations I can get right into that zen state and it's lovely other times my mind talk is just too strong it just never shuts up and it drives me nuts and I'll get frustrated and I'll I'll, at the end think oh well that you know was totally wasted I didn't get there and what he was saying is that you know it's 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 okay, don't think that you have to have even that perfection within a meditation session if your mind just doesn't stop and again, I know Jeanette talks about that a lot too is just yeah, you can't don't fight it, it right just accept it, and yeah. oh, I love that about me, <laughs> I'm yeah, fine with that more <laughs> there you go,
3: yeah, and you know the thing is is that if you just show up. That's what really matters more than anything, because um, yeah, there's days where it doesn't; it's not so great, and other days where it feels like nirvana, and you just take it as it comes, and and then you get to a place where you just really enjoy it and really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And just having that, even if it's not a good day, you still appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So. Let's hear what everyone else has been tapped into. Whether it's a book, or a movie, or a workshop, or an interview. Who else is finding inspiration out and about in the world?
2: I have a question. question. Um, Oh, Oh. sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. ahead. Carry from
1: Carrie Carrie first, and then then.
2: Okay. Just it made me as you guys are talking about hypnosis. Are Are you familiar with body talk?
1: Hmm. Yes, we we
3: are, because uh, Abigail taught it, Jeanette. Oh, that's right. Uh, I was going to
1: say,
2: sounds familiar. (laughs) Okay, because I have a lady just down, who lives down the street from me, and I've just um, been, yeah, she's been doing a couple of sessions, and it makes me think of what you was talking about with the hypnosis, kind of, and rewiring things. I feel like that's kind of what she's doing, and uh, yeah, and I think it's really helping. And I'm finding it very interesting.
1: Right on.
3: Yeah. And if you've seen, I've recommended pure awareness meditation quite a bit on GVU. Body talk is very similar to that, except that uh, there's less talking. (laughs) If it makes Mm. sense. It's like instead of of necessarily talking to your body, you let your body talk to you. But then you go into the energy of your body and actually Feel the energy of your body and then expand it out. So, um, so it, it's actually a platform for um, going into other things. And Jeanette didn't wasn't that what what inspired slacker um, manifesting? Slacker manifesting because Abigail was talking about how once she started doing this, she gave herself permission to just totally relax, and then everything started coming.
1: I remember the story as it wasn't so much she gave herself permission, but she had just worked herself into such a state of exhaustion, she didn't have a choice other than to lay down for five days because she had mm. she was just so overwhelmed. It it she, she worked herself into a pretty big hole, and in that process of laying down for five days, and I could be remembering the story wrong but uh, that's when all sorts of magic happened for her and she realized the magic of (laughs) non-doing, slack or manifesting. (laughs) So she started doing it on purpose after that. (laughs) Nancy, you were going to share something too?
3: Well, and I mentioned this last month too, I'm still doing it and I'm still really, really getting lit up about it. Um, I'm listening to a woman who... She interprets a course in miracles. So she's she she doesn't just teach a course in miracles, she re she reframes it so that it's understandable in everyday life. Because if anybody's ever read a course in miracles, it's kinda
2: mm-hmm.
3: esoteric is <laughs> you know, saying it mildly. Um, but she reinterprets it and I've been listening to her um Audio is where she goes passage by passage by passage through a course in miracles, and and reframes it and it gives explanations for how you can use it in everyday life and I love it because it's taking all the stuff I've learned from different places including Abraham and Neville Goddard and you know Unity teachings and all these different things it's t- taking it all and bringing it all together kind of in one. Um, philosophy or way of looking at life. And and ironically, or maybe not so ironically, in the middle of all this, so I've been doing this for maybe a, a month and a half or so now, um, a couple weeks ago, the guest speaker at my local Unity is this guy who's famous for writing books about A Course in Miracles. His name is Paul Hasselhoff. And he came to our Unity and gave a talk about about how Unity and A Course in Miracles are made for each other. And I had already been discovering that. I was already mm. realizing that through listening to this other woman um do her her teaching. So anyway, I'm I'm still really lit up by that and enjoying cool. it. And in, and and it, sometimes at the end of um you know a, a passage she'll give like a little prayer or a way that you can let go, a way of releasing uh, and so I've been practicing and playing with all those and finding them really helpful and yeah and it and it kind of it it kind of brings in gratitude and forgiveness and awareness and all different things all at once it's really i'm I'm loving it yeah. really helpful for everyday life too
2: cool
1: you know what you mean about a course in miracles being a little A translator would be a really good thing.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, for years, I couldn't even get past the first couple, you know, days. And it's a 365-day thing. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and I know there's people that have been studying it for years, and they're still a little lost um, themselves, even though they've been studying it. So. And, and this woman, she just has a very interesting way of um, connecting to the material and, and translating it so that everybody can really get it. And uh, I've also listened to some of her calls where other people call in, and they're all saying the same thing I'm saying, which is, thank God you're doing this. Because <laughs> a lot of us wouldn't even be able to handle the material if, you know if there wasn't somebody that was um, ciphering it and how, and and also some of the words in a course in miracles can seem very rigid, but when you get into the teaching, it's not, it's much more in line with Abe's teachings. And I've heard a few people uh, on Abe's hot seat come forward and say, I'm studying the course of miracles and discovering how compatible it is with your teachings. And, uh, and I remember hearing people say that and thinking, really? <laughs> but now I'm seeing it, and it's it's really cool.
2: Anyone else reading anything good? I'm working. I'm all about self-love right now, so I'm doing The Joy Diet by Martha Beck as for one of your recommendations, oh, Jeanette. So, yeah, I saw yeah, you talked about wow. how much
1: you were enjoying that. Wow. Love it,
2: yeah, and I'm I'm doing the step by step process she recommends. So,
1: yeah, I've never
2: read any of Martha Beck's stuff before. So, yeah, she's I an enjoyed. entertaining
1: writer, isn't she, Carrie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. It's I so can her, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to think what I've got coming up next. I'm not in front of my stack of books, but. Uh, if anyone got something they're getting ready to read that we should know about that we could maybe all get on the same page with?
0: Um, I'm just I'm, I've just started to read um, Uncharted by Collette Brown Reed. That's our latest book.
1: Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, I I'm quite read. I've only just started to read it, but so I'm going to try and uh, try and get try and read it as soon as I can. Yeah.
1: Right on. Well, I guess maybe we're having a short call today then. So.
2: Oh, sorry. One question: Have any of you read *The Mastery of Love*? Ooh, by who? Don, Don Ruez. I, oh, I, I I don't think done. I'm saying the same one. The guy, same guy who wrote um, *The Four Agreements*. Love that book too. Do you know that book?
1: I know the uh, Four Agreements, but I didn't yeah. know. I just read one by the by that guy's son, Nancy. What was uh-huh. it? Didn't we review it?
3: Yeah, I think you did. Don Ruiz Miguel, right? Junior. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was wasn't it,
1: Mastery was... of Love. It was something else. Yeah.
2: So how well, does it was that? Uh,
1: was
2: it was. It Vish, was Vish, Vishen. Is that how we say his name?
1: Yeah. It,
2: so. Yeah, it was one of, uh, yeah, to this morning um, in one of his talks, and he made reference to the Mastery of Love. So, uh, yeah, I, I made a note of it. I think I'm going to touch base with that one at some point time soon.
1: You know, that was interesting, the list of books that he recommended for the different areas of life. He had one exercise that Ming didn't love. (laughs) No, when Ming told me about it, I was like, oh, that's a lot of areas to evaluate. There's something like 12 (laughs) areas of life. And and then he had a section where he said, you know, for any area where you might want to be doing more in, he had a book recommendation, and it was interesting to see what he had – I will say this, uh, somewhere in the book he quoted Mike Dooley, and I think, well, Ming, did you say it was in the appendix that he listed Esther Hicks? Or I think I saw him reference Esther Hicks somewhere in the text itself, but he wasn't like, he never Mm -hmm. said Abraham. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find that list of books just because.
2: Yeah, I'm looking uh, for it too here.
1: Yeah, I want to hear everyone's thoughts on on the books that he recommended. (laughs) That's been a vibration we've been activating here at this house lately. (laughs) Uh, Oh, here we go. So for love, he recommended Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus by John Gray. Who's read that? Yeah, Yeah,
2: great book. Who loved it? I did. It's all right. Well, at the time, I mean, I read it, gosh, that was a long, a long time, like time 15 ago. years ago. So yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about it today, but then it, it helped. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I I, I feel the I same agree. way. Like at the time, super helpful. And now I would probably recommend something else.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: I probably would recommend five love languages. I, I yeah. find myself asking a bunch of these new guys. I'm like, do you know your love language? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so, I would agree. I would agree there. On on friendships, he he recommend how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Mm. On adventures, that was his third category, Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson, which I have not read. Has anyone read that? No.
2: no. No.
1: Your environment, his recommendation, the, the Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, which I disliked so much I stopped reading. Wow. Huh? Right? And and it must have been my mood. I don't know. And (laughs) didn't you say, Jeanette, too? Didn't you say that um,
3: the the way he, uh, Vision wrote this particular book, he he talks about models and systems more like he's trying to um, appeal to maybe CEOs or C level executives?
1: Could be. Less so. Be like my brother.
3: Yeah, 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 and and entrepreneurs, people who would hire him to come speak, or hire someone from his team to come speak at their company, versus individual deliberate creators like you and I.
1: Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. So that could explain
3: why he's recommending some books that here's my that might appeal more to that particular group than to.
1: You know you here's where I got a disconnect. Ming, maybe you noticed it too. For a guy who understands that it's our beliefs and our thoughts that rule our experience, he talks a lot about really traditional ideas for staying healthy and fit. Even though he's quoting yes. placebo research, you know, about how the guys that got the sham knee surgery were, yeah. were reporting results. Still, when it came time to recommend for health and fitness, it's the Bulletproof Diet for Guys by Dave See? Asprey. And the Virgin Diet by J.J. Virgin, which it says, I got excited when he said, which will challenge your rules about calories and exercise and show you that it's not about how much you eat. I'm all excited. Then he goes, on, <laughs> but how you combine the right foods in the right order for your body's chemistry lab? Like, dude, where, where? How come you all of a sudden don't understand the power of thoughts when it comes to this
0: area of life? Right? But and remember the yeah. notch on his belt, and then he has got to do fifty something push-ups, and he's got to do the blah blah. blah. You know, if he goes one pound over, if it belts this or what,
1: that's when I was like, you know what,
0: uh, uh-uh, this isn't for me.
1: So, oh, here's a, on the intellectual life. He said, what better way to optimize your intellectual life than upgrading your learning systems? He recommends courses by Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. Guillaume, hmm. do you yeah. know that resource?
0: I've, I've, heard, I've heard of him. He, he teaches a, 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 a um, kind of speed reading course.
1: I thought you might recognize that name. I had never heard of it, but I knew you would. <laughs> I'm not surprised you're familiar. For skills, he recommends a four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss, Spiritual Life, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And oh, yeah. also, he said, but a close tie is Autobiography of a Yogi by, anyone know how to say Paramahansa Yogananda? Maybe I got that, I read right? that book. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah, you a long time ago.
0: Well, at the time, I think it was good.
1: Uh, I can tell the way you say it now. It's not like, oh yeah, read that book. Well, uh, you know, I read the Things conversations change. with God
0: too. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, you were right, Nancy. I'm not totally
3: changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, your consciousness, your consciousness has expanded and grown, and you know what speaks to you at a, at a different level. You know, may or may not. It's like the books that didn't speak to me, and I was going to give them away, and I couldn't get myself to give them away, and when I finally pulled them out of the box to look at them, I was finally ready to read them. They hadn't impressed me the first time around, and as my consciousness had grown, I actually was ready, you know, to reread.
1: I have a question for Carrie, because as I'm, it's for Family Life that he lists The Mastery of Love by Don Ruiz, but uh, Carrie, did you, maybe you haven't read this section, but if you're familiar with Vishen's work, you probably know that he's a fan of Kamal Ravikant, who, who wrote, what's the title of it? Oh, I wrote that one down too. Um, love yourself like your
2: life like your, depends on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was looking that one up this morning too, cause you're right. He recommended those
1: two books. Yes. Yeah. Have I, you I read I'm that a few, I'm, I have read that one. I am a fan of it. I believe I kept my copy when I moved, but, um, I have not read Mastery of Love, so if you if you read both, I'd love to hear, because he, he says, I believe the root cause of most family issues is the lack of self-love, so I suggest The Mastery of Love by Don Ruiz. But I wondered why he didn't recommend Kamal Ravikant, because that one was pretty amazing, too. And a quick okay. So I'd In love to hear your thoughts he after you've read both.
2: Yeah, and the talk that he gave this morning, he said mastery, love, and Kamal. So I did oh, write them both down, yeah. and I do intend to read
1: both of those.
2: So that's great to and, hear. You have read Kamal's book,
3: and it's, Jeanette, it's you did book. a review
2: of Kamal's book
3: yeah. too for G because yeah. I remember. He, oh, so of, that's in the okay. that's in the archives. Um, it's, it was such oh, a short to book. Oh, look it up.
1: Yeah, but it, but Kamal's talk was pretty powerful too. He's he was fun to hear. Probably even more so than to read. I think he was even more compelling speaker than he was a writer. But his his story really makes a powerful point about the importance of loving yourself. But but along those same lines, so is Anita Morjani, Dying to Be Me. That's another r- mm-hmm. really her experience mm-hmm. just really spotlights um, in a dramatic way how important it is to be true to ourselves and to you know put ourselves first.
2: Oh, I'm writing that one down.
3: <laughs> Did you guys see the, um, the podcast that I had shared? It was a Charles Eisenstein podcast I shared oh. um, about no science, I hadn't, the
1: crisis of science. I hadn't watched it yet, but then I saw some other resource I was all excited about. Oh, Jackie shared an article with me on adrenal fatigue. That I loved so much when I looked up the author, I went to his website and that author had had done that interview. So I got to listen to it because it crossed my desk twice in like 48 hours. Yeah, so it was a podcast, so it was not a video. It, mm-hmm. um,
3: and And actually, I found it actually kind of hard to listen to Charles Eisenstein. He's a great writer, but when he talks, he's halting, like he'll say two words and then stop for five seconds and then say three more words and then stop. So I found it a little bit uh, challenging, but Rupert Sheldrake is, um, and I think he's a sir now, but Rupert Sheldrake is a a biologist and researcher and an author who, he's the guy who uh, did the Ted talk about dogs, the study they've done about dogs waiting for their humans to come home. And um, They've discovered that animals know when we're still at work and we're thinking about coming home, like we're starting to close down our files and prepare mm-hmm. to leave the office. The dogs already know that we're coming home and they start, you know, pacing the house or going to the front window to look. Or wherever it is that they usually <laughs> greet you, they go to that door or that window, and he's the one that had done the studies. And here he had been this you know highly, highly respected researcher and biologist. And when he started discovering um, the observer effect in his own uh, uh, research, he it started making him question everything. and he changed the direction of his research and started looking into what is considered parapsychology, para- paranormal psychology. And there's a lot of people now that's, that are claiming that he's um, he's a pseudoscientist. And yet he's this guy who had been respected for decades <laughs> for his work, as long as he was doing what was considered, you know, acceptable research. But he was talking about how, okay, you've got the, the observer effect that says that the minute someone is observing a uh, any kind of experiment it alters the experiment you 've got the placebo effect that it, in many many cases the placebo is working better than the actual drug being tested and in fact, in most cases and he went on to say that they 're finding now that virtually none of the studies can be replicated now the whole mm-hmm. idea behind science is you have you have an exercise a, 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 an experiment. And then other people have to replicate it in order to prove it true. Well, what they're finding is they can't can't replicate. And he said this is is an absolute crisis in science because it's showing us that what we thought was sacred isn't sacred. And, And then he and Charles got into this other Mind altering conversation about um, what this means, the implication of all of this and, and consciousness. And yeah, it was fascinating. Fascinating conversation.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tune into that. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Yeah, so I saw somebody recommended
3: Dr. X to you, AXE, uh, around the, the conversation about the um, uh, adrenals, adrenal. Hmm. I think somebody had recommended that, but is I, that the guy no. that
1: had interviewed Rupert Sheldrake? I'm not ringing any bells for me. I don't yeah. Know. Hmm. Cool. Anyone got anything else to share? I do. M- Ming and I enjoyed the Finest Hours the other night. <laughs> <laughs> My TV What's the Finest again. Hours? It's What's a movie. movie? In fact, I was even talking about how, oh, when to break the rules. Yeah, so, uh, Vision was quoting someone in the book about knowing wh- if, the rules are wor- if the rules aren't if the rules are working for you, change them. And if you can't change them, then ignore them. And it was a great example of what we had just watched in, in, mm-hmm. based on a true story. It was a uh, Coast Guard ship had to go rescue some sailors. And uh, it, w- it was a good movie. And a good example of a guy who knew when to follow the rules and when to break them. Say <laughs> mm-hmm. by Chris Pine. Yeah. So, all right, then, I guess we'll call this wrap unless anyone has anything else to add. Going one.